Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Our guest today is Tony Bouquet. Tony is an author, a speaker, a teacher, a storyteller. He has decades of experience in the financial industry, and he even teaches at the American College of Financial Services. So you're going to really enjoy what Tony has to share with us about paying the price of leadership. You're listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. Hi, everyone. This is Dr. Tracy Jones. Welcome to the Tremendous Leadership Podcast, Leaders on Leadership, where we pull back the curtain on leadership and talk to tremendous leaders about what it took them to pay the price of leadership. And I am so excited to share with today, our guest is Tony Bouquet. Tony is a dear friend of the family, knew my father, a longtime supporter of mine, and just an incredible leader. For over 37 years, Tony has been a leader a mentor, a trainer, a dynamic storyteller, a speaker, and a solutionary in the financial services industry. He recently published his first book through Bush Publishing, and it is titled, and I have my autographed copy, The Bloodline of Wisdom, The Awakening of the Modern Solutionary. He is currently a vice president and adjunct instructor at the American College of Financial Services. Welcome, Tremendous Tony. Well, thank you. Thank you, Tracy. It's wonderful to be here with you. I love it. Hey, Tony, tell people real quick what the American College of Financial Services is. We are the nonprofit institution of higher learning for the for the financial service industry. Okay. We've uh, been around since 1927, and we started the first designation for our industry, mm-hmm. the Chartered Life Underwriter designation. So it's been around over 90 years. Wow. And how long have you been teaching there? Well, I started being a student at the college back in the early um, early 80s. Okay. I started. Yeah, that's a long time, Grayson. <laughs> I had hair back then, you know, it was amazing. And, I love it. Uh, you know, I, I started quickly, I started instructing some of their courses because they really propelled my career. Mm. And I saw the vision that if if I could help others create a benefit through this educational format, I thought I wanted to be a part of that. And then yeah. toward the end of my career uh, in, in the state planning field, I decided to go to work full-time at the college. And I've been there full-time as the VP of business development for the last uh, over 13 years mm-hmm. already. I can't believe it. And and Tony, uh, Tony knew my father from the life insurance industry. Uh, yeah, you know, he's a tremendous leader for all our leaders out there from the financial services and life insurance. You're going to get some really good stuff. That's true. Charlie was an amazing mentor of mine and uh, just a wonderful man. And I can't say enough good things about him. Well, he loved you, Tony. And I am so thankful you are still around to support the next generation of tremendousness. And I just thank you for all the wisdom. And we're going to talk a little bit about the price of leadership. And I want everybody to, to then connect with you so they can be as inspired by all the great stuff you put out as I am. Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. So we'll go ahead and get started. So my father came out with a little booklet called The Price of Leadership, one of the speeches that he did throughout his career. And we know that um, leadership is one of the most joyful, beautiful things. We're all called to lead. We're born to lead. But it's also one of the hardest things you're ever going to do. And there's a price you have to pay for it. If it was easy, 
everybody would do it. Okay. Um, so one of the first prices of leadership that my father talks about as a leader is the loneliness that goes with being in the leadership position. So Tony, can you share with me what throughout your career, uh, different venues you've been in and different seasons of your life, what does loneliness mean for you as a leader? And, and what wisdom do you have to share with our listeners about how they would handle that? Loneliness, and Charlie did a great job of, of explaining that we're all lonely at times. Mm -hmm. I mean, so the loneliness that, that comes with the price for leadership is not necessarily missing people. It's so much, it, it takes so much out of you mm -hmm. that it becomes uh, a, a longingness in your own body, in your own mm -hmm. spirit. Sometimes you long for... Um, to be able to share things with people that you, it's just not the right time. Hmm. You have to bear that burden yourself. And that's a lonely situation that you, you put yourself in because it, you know, to, to bear things before a person's ready to receive it, it's of no, no value to you. It's of no value to them. So a lot of times the loneliness is self-inflicted. And, you know, and we bear that graciously because we know that eventually it will pay off for the student as well as the, as the leader. Tony, I have never heard it put like that. Um, and it is in your soul and it is forbearance. And that's, that's really incredible way to put it that um, as leaders, we kind of have already walked the walk. So it's like a parent and a child. You know what's going to happen if they go this route, but you kind of have to wait until they're open to receive it like a sponge. Otherwise, it's just, it's, it's not going to do any good. Right, right. Yeah. They, you know, when the teacher, when the student's ready, the teacher appears. And a lot of times as a leader, you have to get good at reading your people. You have to be good at knowing when are they ready. To receive it. I had a gentleman once I hired, he used to get so upset with me because sometimes when he did very, very good, I, I would just find something to critique him on. But yet when he did very badly, I praise him left and right. Uh -huh. And he used to come to me and he says, you're so confusing. I can't understand you. And I said, but Chris, when you're doing poorly, you're beating yourself up way more than I'll ever beat you up. So I don't need to apply that to you. And when you're doing good, sometimes we, we get cocky with ourselves and we, we become complacent because we think we're, we've reached the destiny when we really haven't. So it's, it's a loneliness when, when you have to hold back certain things from people that you're really dying to, to share. You mm -hmm. really want them to accept it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that. that's a, a loneliness you have to accept as a leader. Well, and, and when you are in the teacher role, which is really what a leader is, you are different. I mean, I think of Jesus and they called him teacher, but he kind of, he's there to pour in, but he's also a little bit separated. But I love that when somebody's down, that's when you lift up. And when somebody's riding high, that's when you keep them from smacking their head. You know? high. That's right. Keep the head down. Yeah. Yeah. From going like this. That, I love that. I never thought about that. That's really, really good. Awesome, Tony. You're so tremendous. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Learn from the best tremendous, though. 
It just keeps flowing and pouring. All right. So Tony, the next thing you talked about was weariness. And I'm sure you know a thing or two about being in the career field, especially where you work on commissions and have to build your own business and paychecks. We don't know. Nothing's guaranteed. Okay. How how do you deal with weariness? And what does this mean for weariness as a leader? Maybe you're growing your team or you're talking about even trying to pour into people um, when we thought everybody wanted to hear our wisdom and they don't want to hear it. How do you handle that? Gets it gets hard, Tracy. It's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Weariness and, and Charlie's speech uh, on the price of, of of leadership speaks so well to that. I mean, it's so e- easy to understand when he lays it out. So simple. Yeah. But the weariness that that I felt as a leader was just how do I how do I overcome when I'm just so beat? You know, at night you get to the point where you're drained, you're mentally drained because you, you have to be on your your best mm-hmm. all the time as a leader. And it, it drains you, it becomes draining. And, you know, like Charlie, my family suffered from that. Mm-hmm. You know, no matter how hard you try, it's very difficult to, to not show that weariness, mm-hmm. not to show it to your people. So during the day, everybody thought, hey, this guy's always on fire. But yet at night, I was just, I was zonked. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just totally draining. So the weariness does weigh on you at, at, after a while. But it's so rewarding that you're willing to take that, that weight of the weariness. You're willing to, take, to bear whatever price that is. Uh, you try your very best to balance, you know, uh, in my book, I speak about the balance of the personal, the professional and the spiritual. When, when I was young and I was working with your father and talking to your father, I didn't understand that. I was, I was young. I was impetuous. I was, I was everything I shouldn't be, <laughs> you know, and it was, yeah. it was so hard to understand the personal, the professional and the spiritual balance. Once I got that, once I understood that, the weariness went away. Mm. The weariness left me because I wasn't struggling to, to take all of that weight myself. And, you know, whenever you relieve some of that tension, mm-hmm. the weariness is gone. Right. And it's, it's, you, it also comes with success, though. Once you know you can do it, you know, in my first management position, I was 23 years old. Mm-hmm. I was young. I was foolish. I was, like I said, a lot of adjectives that I could put on myself, none of which would have been leader <laughs> at the time. But, you know, the, those early days, I thought I had to do it all. Uh-huh. And, I, and the weariness was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Because you'd get back at night and just you you all you could do is lay down your head mm-hmm. and you know sleep like a baby, cry mm-hmm. every two hours. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get up and get out the next day. That's true. Well, Tony, I'm glad you said that. Um, I can remember watching my dad. He would be on the road 250 days a year, speaking, traveling, and selling. And I remember when he'd come home and just be out. But I love how you talked about your family 
that's not necessarily a bad thing because family should be a source of replenishment. Now, you don't want to be so exhausted that you don't have time for your family. But I can remember as a child and a young girl even understanding my dad's got grit and he's changing the world and he's out there and he he's going to be tired when he comes home. And that's OK. Um, so I think sometimes people try and shield everything and like, oh, I don't want to put this on my family. But yet your family is there to be a support structure and to, and to really build you up. And you can go home and be yourself with your family. You know what I'm saying? I do. It, my wife, if it wouldn't have been for my wife, I wouldn't have been successful in my career. Right. No doubt in my mind. I mean, she handled the home life. I mean, she was a stay-at-home mother. And she handled things that, you know, frankly, I didn't want to handle. Because, <laughs> you and if she wouldn't have been there to handle that, I don't know what I would have done. Right. Well, dad said the same thing about mom. The reason he could go out and burn the candle like he did, uh, of course, he got replenished spiritually, was because he had a great life partner that was home taking care of this aspect of it. And so yep. he didn't have to come home tired from work and then be tired because he has to deal with home. They both were tired, but then they would That's come right. together and then have that spiritual basis where they just continue to get their replenishment. But I'm really glad you said that because I think a lot of times people are like, well, you don't want to, you don't want to put this on your family. It's like, it's not putting on your family. I I just got hitched. Okay. And I did that not, I did that for, um, because two are stronger than one, you know, it's the four to three strands is not broken. So the more you have, the more you um, covenant with people, the stronger you become. Yes, ma'am. And they get to share in the tiredness of you. They don't only want to hear about the good stuff. They need to be there when you're, you know, when you're just so tired, you don't know what to do. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of my successes, she shared with me. I mean, we were able to go to conferences all over the world. And that was my gift to her Mm -hmm. for all the times that I wasn't there. And, you know, (laughs) it was her reward more so than myself, because, you know, I really wanted her to enjoy some of the, the the rewards that I earned. So it was, it was, it was a blessing. That's beautiful. In so many ways. Well, Gloria used to say that she never once complained and she's like, I'm just along for the ride. And boy, what a ride it was, you know, it she was. did her work, but, the, but you're right. That's a beautiful thing. And, and that's good because it's not always a traditional, Hey, just come home. Sometimes you work really, really hard to meet a goal. And then you got these trips and you got to, you know, fellowship and see all over the world and be with other people and realize, Hey, we're, we're in this as little units all together. And that's a beautiful that's thing. Right. It was beautiful a beautiful thing. thing. I love it. All right. So we talked about loneliness. You gave me a great insight on that. You gave me a great insight on how you define weariness and how you handle that. Um, The next point he talked about was abandonment. And uh, my dad would always say, listen, we need to to get rid of what we like and want to think about in favor of what we ought and need to think about. How do you stay focused, Tony, on what you need to stay focused on? Because you're, you're in the business of helping people and so many people need help. But how do you stay focused so your resources stay on target and doing the most good for the most people? Well, you know, one of the things I found amazing about uh, Charlie and this speech is abandonment is one of the three human fears. Mm-hmm. Right, There's, it is. We only have three fears. Mm-hmm. We, we fear harm, whether it's bodily harm or uh, spiritual harm, or, you know, we have that fear of harm. You know, harm is, is overcome by courage. When, when you have that, that fear. Mm-hmm. Abandonment is only conquered through community. That's the only way we can overcome 
that that abandonment mm -hmm. that Charlie spoke about. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, the third fear is unworthy or unworthiness. And that's love. Love conquers the unworthiness. But with abandonment, you know, one of the things that I think about all the time is how I was able to bring teams together and build up my fear of abandonment. Because it was, it was a fear. It was an internal fear that you have that am I leading them in the right place or will, will they lead me? Will I be able to lead them or will they lead? Because they see it differently than I see it. Yeah. And that'll go into a little bit more discussion when we get to, to, to the vision part of, of the prize. But, you know, that, that's anytime you have a team, you have, you have that abandonment issue. Whether you will leave them or they will leave you, it's, it's always present. It's always present. And, you know, one of the things that I think about, and you know me, I, I like stories. Mm -hmm. And when I was in my first agency and I was leading a, a group of about uh, 74 individuals at the time, and I was a, still a fairly young man at 26, 27 years old. Mm -hmm. And I remember back then a Christmas party. I gave a Christmas party every year for my people and I get gifts for them. Well, toward the end of the, the, the Christmas event, one of my sales managers invited me to go in the conference room with him. He wanted to talk to me separately. We were holding it in one of my larger offices. So he brought me into the conference room. And there were the other five sales managers that worked for me. And on the conference room table was a, a wrapped gift. And they said, this is your Christmas present from us. So I thought, you know, that's kind of nice. You know, yeah. I start opening the gift. It was the Tony Robbins personal power course. It was a 30-day development course by Tony Robbins. Uh-huh. And the, one of the speakers told me at that meeting, they said, Tony, we love you. You're one of the, the smartest people we've ever worked for. But he says, if you don't take this personal power course, we're all quitting today. No. We're leaving. They And this was from someone I viewed as a very close friend. He was one of my mentors who was now my, you know, I was his supervisor now. But he had mentored, mentored me in my early career. So I thought very highly of this gentleman. And mm -hmm. he says, we're not joking. He says, we will terminate our contract if you don't do this. And he says, because we think enough of you, we will all be here with you and we'll take this course with you. Man. And he says, and I said, and I asked, you know, I said, well, what's wrong? What, what's, what am I not doing right? You know, because y'all are all making more money than you've ever made in your career. You were yes. all very successful. We just finished one of the best years we were in the top three of the of the company we worked for. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, I, I don't get it. Why am I such a bad guy that you're saying you're going to quit? And he says, Tony, he says, you, you think only of yourself. He says, you terminate people because they're not doing what you want them to do. And they have a life outside of this company. And he was right. He was 100% right. And that act 
of a gift changed my life uh-huh. because I did take that personal power course. I learned an awful lot about me and about leadership. And it was very emotional for a lot of, t- a lot of those sessions because all of these, these men and women, I recruited into this business. Right. And they were there with me going through this. And they, some of them drove two hours just to come to this meeting. So yes. it was an inconvenience for them. And I didn't, I didn't take it lightly, Tracy. Mm-hmm. And it, it changed my life. Uh-huh. But it was a, I was abandoning them in, in all essence through the actions that I was doing. I was abandoning them when I thought I was leading. I thought I was doing a good job in leadership because we were hitting all the goals. The following year was our best year ever in the, in because of them. So it changed my life and it added a new meaning to what it meant to be abandoned. So it was, it was very interesting. It was an interesting time in my life. Well, thank you for that transparency and sharing that. I've had a couple people, not as pronounced as that, but that I was in charge of leading came and gave me um, the constructive kindness where they told me truth and love, but let me know in no uncertain circumstances. I know where your heart is, but you, you have got to change or ma'am or else you're not going to be leading anyone. And I was like, and I'm so thankful. So that you had people like that, that were so vested in you, they helped you abandon the bad parts of being a leader. We all have that. I mean, nobody mm-hmm. really, you, you learn it. And, and I always say, you know, if you want a better leader, be a better follower. And so the fact that you had people that were invested in you and let you know exactly what you need to do and what we need to abandon. And right. not everything we focus or think we're doing is needs to make the cut to the next level of leadership. Right. Yeah. So true. Well said. And and I just, you know, that would talk a lot about that. You you learn to unlearn what you thought you knew and relearn what you needed to learn. And so your point to that, man, Tony, I never thought of abandonment like that. And so do you think that step, you talk about your fear that, you know, out of the three fears, that's my one fear. And I was just talking to somebody the other night about that. And I'm like, we were just talking about that fear of abandonment. And um, do you think that that kind of drove you as a leader going through that, that, that you were so focused on end results? You just said, because I mean, now break that down for me, Tony, because a lot of us in leaders, in leadership positions where we have to meet goals and stuff. Should you be keeping people if they are not um, meeting the standards? Talk, unpack that for me. Well, that that was that was what my thinking was back then. Is right. What am I What am I doing wrong? I'm I'm goal setting. I'm hitting my goals. I'm exceeding my goals. But you know, one of the things I didn't understand was my goal should have been less than their goals. So, in other words, if if Tracy works for me. If my goal is for you to make $80,000 a year uh-huh. to make your piece of the pie to fulfill my goal, then your goal has to be more than 80000 If you want to make um, 60000 and I'm not okay with that because of the results it would take to get there, then I have the problem, not you, because you only need to earn 60000 a year. If that's oh, what's okay. going to drive you, okay, then I'm pushing. I'm putting my weight on your shoulders. Okay, if, 
if I if you needed to make one hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year in income, that means your goal would be much bigger than my eighty thousand. Okay. And then if I'm managing to your goal, not mine, then there's no push, there's no shove, there's there's just together pulling. So that was the thing I didn't get. That makes everybody had to meet my objectives. Okay. And my objectives may have been too much for some people. So you kind of thought everybody should be on the million dollar round table. And other people may you have been it. like, no, I'm perfectly fine at the at this level. Is that what you're saying? That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly you. Because right. I can remember when I was in the, when I was in the Air Force and I, and, and, you know, and I remember one time I'm like, um, doesn't everybody want to be chief, chief of staff of the Air Force or a four star? And they're like, no, <laughs> some right. of us just want to launch and recover jets for 20 years. And I'm like, okay, point taken. But, but I think, you know, as leaders, we're like, I keep getting people, raising them up. As long as there are some people that will land and be really good at what they do right there. And that's okay. That Interesting. Is. Okay. As long as, as long as their place right. is above the minimum standard I right. have. Well, and exactly. And I'm glad you said that because again, and, and we tell people, you know, because I talk a lot about organizational citizenship behaviors, and that's where you're a great citizen of the organization. But the understanding is you meet the bare minimum threshold. That that goes without saying. People are like, oh, well, they just did. No, you're getting paid. You have to at least perform at this level. We're adults. Come on now. And um, that's right. rocket science. So you need, but, but we're talking about kind of the above and beyond. If you're a good performer, if you're a good solid person at this level, and you're meeting the standards, that's okay. That's okay. That's right. Interesting. Well, I'm glad you said that. Okay. Yeah, because I think some people would be like, well, wait a minute, if they're not hitting the standards, but you, but it was your standards that they were not hitting. Right. Yeah. And that's my high standards. Your standard. But then obviously you had this team of four people or five men or, or women that honestly, you know, um, it's that drumline. There are some people you can just keep pushing, pushing. I know my dad was really tough on me, but because he knew I'm not letting, I'm not letting you get away with this. That's right. You I have know it in you. You have it in you. So that is a leader. You need to realize who has it in them and who doesn't. Hmm. Yes. And that comes with coaching and supervision. And that's all part of the, the chores that make up what we do. Right. I love it. Oh, thanks, Tony. Thank you for breaking that whole thing down and sharing that with us. Wow. That must have been a Christmas party you never, ever forgot. I will never forget that. 1988, to be exact. So, yes, I will wow. remember that. That's awesome. All right. Well, I'm, I'm very glad they did that to you. That's cool. Me too. I was too. Yeah, it wasn't I that evening, though. <laughs> that evening, I wasn't so happy. Party. At a party, too. Well, you know what? And I tell people, you know what? They could have quit and gone to somebody else. Or they could have gone right. to your boss and gotten you fired. So right. I'm so thankful for the people. Although it's like, uh, uh, you know, one of the guys, one of my enlisted guys told me this in the military. We'd applied to Turkey. And I'm like, you know what? If the enemy would have shot me, that would have hurt less than what he said to me. But I was so thankful he, he let me know because I was just trying to be all officery. And I didn't realize. <laughs> You know, I, I'm not Patton, and not everybody relates well to Patton. So that's like, right. That's very exactly right. <laughs> okay. So the last one he talked about, Tony, was vision. He says the yes. fourth price of leadership is vision. And my father always said he had a very pragmatic, realistic thing. Uh, you know, he flunked out of the school in the eighth grade, and he's like, you know, I just I, I'm a simple man uh, with drive. But he called vision just simply seeing what needs to be done 
and then doing it. And mm-hmm. so talk to me about vision. How do you hone your vision? How do you cast it? How do you refine it? Share with me what that means. Well, I have a, a, a very interesting uh, look at vision. I see vision as a law, as a natural law. And I, I relate it to personal, professional, and spiritual. We all have a vision. We're at a location. So think of yourself as in a location, whether it's your beautiful home, whether it's uh, where you are spiritually or where you are in your career, you're in a location. That location will give you the ability to see certain things. So if you look out of that lovely window behind you, you will see whatever's there. And that's going to be your vision. Okay. But your location matters. Because if you you're if you don't know where your location is, then you can't actually see where you literally are. Mm. So for a vision, it starts with motivation. You have to be motivated. Right. And the motivation should change your perspective. So you you start with a vision, you find the motivation. That changes your perspective, and then that that perspective drives you to a new location. So when you have all of these things in place, my vision will continuously be changing mm-hmm. because I, my location is continuously changing. So we have to start with motivating people. We have to be very good at motivating them because one thing I learned very early in my leadership roles is I can't change anyone. Right. I, I cannot change anyone but myself. So if I can only change myself, then I need to be able to motivate people to change their perspective, and then that will change their location, and that'll change the vision. If you and I are in the same window, and we're all looking out at the same thing, we will see the same vision. We have to get people into the same location. So as a leader, your job is to bring them to the location you are today Mm -hmm. so that they can see the vision you have. We can only do that. We Mm -hmm. can't physically pick them up and bring them to where we're at. at. We'd like to sometimes. Sometimes I'd very much like to do that, but we can't. So we have to do it through motivation. And then hopefully that motivation is going to change their perspective where they see what you see. And one of the things that that stuck with me early in my career is I couldn't understand why people wouldn't buy in to what I was selling. Right. I didn't understand it. Why right. would you not do this? Right. You know, and, and it was uh, my father who told me a very simple, simple thing that I never, it, it never clicked. He says, you have a vision that's in your head. When you're selling something, you have a vision in your head that if they don't act, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, and all of it's bad. You see all of these bad things that if they don't act, this is going to happen to them. You have to take those visions that's in your head and plant them into the other into their head. Because if they love whatever they're trying to change, and they see the negativity, they're going to want to do it too. Mm -hmm. They're going to feel the same way you do. They're going to want to change. 
but we have to get those images out of our head. And that's where motivation comes in. Wow. My friend Zig Ziglar was amazing at that. He was amazing at planting those images in people's minds. Mm. So they were motivated to change their perspective, thus changing their location and then changing their vision. It was so it was so revealing when I learned that it was it changed the way because, you know, in, in business, you hear leaders saying, well, this is the vision for the company. But right. you if you hire 400 people, do they all have that same vision? Right. They may all be on the same location. They may all be in the same building physically. But if they look out the window, they will literally see something completely different. Right. So it, wow. it was an interesting dichotomy that, that helped me tremendously. Wow. Well, and then you really get to look at people and make sure that expectations and what's important to them are aligned and congruent. Mm-hmm. Because the sooner... You understand if you're all singing to the same sheet of music, the better, because otherwise you're going to find out, hey, it's just not going to work or um, yes, now they can see it and they can come on board. I love that, Tony, because I mean, I think as a leader, that's that's the, the question every leader asks. Why aren't they picking up what I'm putting down? I mean, come on, right. everybody out there listening. That's why you're tuning in like, why can't I get people? And dad used to say that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. But you can put salt in his oats and make him thirsty. Thirsty, that's right. So yeah, I that's right. that imaging, that that what, what did you call it? That planting images, yeah. um, and then change that perspective because until you do that, well, and that that really relieves you of the burden of the leader from dragging people. Just just you know, it's up to you and everybody. All I can do is set up the enabling resources and construct, but then it's your choice to change your perspective or go to an organization that is more aligned with your perspective. And there's nothing wrong with that too. There isn't. And I've helped a lot of people find other work and they've, they've, they're still friends today. Right. So I, you know, in essence, I terminated them, but I found them another home. That's a better fit for them. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. And you are in a very, uh, you know, in sales. I mean, you, you, you gotta, you gotta have, uh, you gotta have the perspective for that, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to somebody that may want to be more a CPA or into creative design. I mean, everybody is kind of wired and coded differently. You got it. Yes, ma'am. I love so it. True. Tony, brilliant, brilliant. Okay. So Tony, anything else you want to, we've covered the four prices of leadership. Is there anything else that we haven't touched on that you would like to share with our listeners today? Well, you know, one of the things that when, whenever I speak on leadership, I tell a story about my first experience with a leader. Mm-hmm. And this was one of my early bosses. I, this gentleman took me on my first interview as a, an insurance agent. And I walked into an, a home. It was a, a senior citizen, uh, an elderly lady that was there. And we were selling them a life insurance policy. Before we walked through the door, my boss gave me some great information. Mm-hmm. He says, all I want you to do when you open, when we get in the house, is say hello and goodbye. That's it. The rest I will handle. You know nothing about what we're doing. I don't want you saying anything to the client except 
thank you, and hello, goodbye, that's it. I said, hmm, okay, I can handle that. He uh-huh. says, now take a lot of notes because eventually you're going to have to do this. Mm-hmm. So I expect you to take notes. So I go to the kitchen table with this, this elderly lady and my boss, and I'm sitting there and there's a bowl of peanuts on the table. I love peanuts. Me so I start eating peanuts. And all the time this guy's talking to the woman, I'm eating peanuts. So I ate the entire bowl of peanuts. So, you know, after the the lady had to get up to go get her her purse to pay us for the premium, my boss turned to me furious, Tracy. He says, you realize you ate the entire bowl of peanuts. When she comes back, the first thing you better do is you better ask her if you could replace those peanuts. You will buy her another bag of peanuts. You understand? Oh, yes, sir. I'm sorry. I love peanuts. I can't help it. So the minute this lady walks back in the room, I I deeply apologize for eating all of her peanuts. And she was gracious, Tracy. She said, sir, she says, that won't be necessary. She says, I've already sucked all the chocolate off of them. <laughs> oh, Tony, you, man, so I you, had me, lesson. you had me hook, line, and sinker. Oh, my God. I, You're I learned like a lesson. That. Tell me those stories. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Sergio, oh my God, Tony, you're awesome. Thank you. <laughs> That's good to remember, but I do love peanuts. Mm-hmm. I do too. Now I only eat peanuts that are still in the shell. That are still in the shells. I love it. Yeah, that's fun. Oh my gosh. All right, Tony. Well, Tony, thank you so much. Tony, where can people um, connect with you, get your book? Uh, you're on LinkedIn. Like I said, I love your content on LinkedIn, uh, but, but how do they reach out to you? Well, LinkedIn is a very good source. Uh, I am active on LinkedIn. It's under Anthony Bouquet, but they can reach me there. Um, I also have a website for the book, The Modern Solutionary. uh, So they can go to uh, modernsolutionary.com. Or they can reach out to me through the college. Uh, I do work for the American College. Um, The American College, if you're in the financial service arena, or if you touch money, the courses we teach can help you tremendously. Uh, So anything financial. We teach, and of course, we have a great leadership curriculum, and we also have a master's in leadership Mm -hmm. uh, that's um, second to none. So feel free to reach out to me if I can help. I'm more than happy to do so. Awesome. And we'll put all the links down at the bottom of this. Also, you have an outreach to veterans too, through the Penn Mutual Center Veterans for Affair, which you got me on the board of that. And so we give scholarships away to veterans that are looking to transition out of the military and come into the financial services industry. So uh, please, yeah. American College is just is just phenomenal and just, just a joy to serve with them. And Tony, I can't thank you enough for what you've taught me, what you shared. And it is so great. It's been way too long since we've caught up. Um, but just keep doing what you're doing. And thank you for just what an inspiration you are to so many people. Well, thank you, Tracy. You're the inspiration. And I can't speak highly enough. Keep doing what you do. You're touching lives and you're changing lives. Thanks, Tony. Thanks. And to our tremendous listeners out there, check out Tony and please give us a rating wherever you're listening to us, YouTube, Anchor, Spotify. Love to hear from you. Thanks so much, everybody, on listening to What It Takes to Pay the Price of Leadership. Tony, you're the greatest and have a tremendous day. Thank you for listening to Tremendous Leadership with Dr. Tracy Jones. 
Find out more about Dr. Jones at www.tremendousleadership.com. If you've been ignited by something you heard in this episode, let us know by leaving a review for Tremendous Leadership wherever you listen to podcasts or by sending us a message through www.tremendousleadership.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.